0: Hello, everyone. I am Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Perpetual Chess is a weekly chess interview show where we talk with accomplished chess players, authors, and personalities about their lives, their careers, and how to improve at chess. Perpetual Chess is brought to you through the generosity of its Patreon and PayPal supporters and by Chessable.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another Adult Improver edition of Perpetual Chess. This time we are joined by a fast-rising Illinois-based Adult Improver. He is 37 years old, named Ren Escalera. Um, In the past year and a half or so, or the year and a half preceding the coronavirus shutdown, he had gone from under 1,000 USCF to 1,700 USCF while working and supporting a family and all this stuff that that we all often do. Um, and in fact, Ren is a chess dad, and that's what turbocharged his interest in chess. His son, Scott, is seven years old and rated 1248 already, which is good for number 16 for his age in the country. So we've got to find out what's going on in the Escalera household, (laughs) how these guys are getting so good at chess so quickly. So we are eager to bring him in. So Ren, thank you for joining us here on Perpetual Chess. Um, First of all, thank you for this wonderful invitation.
1: I'm so glad that I have this opportunity in the Perpetual Chess podcast to share my experience as an adult chess improver and, and in the same way as a chess parent. I hope my simple insights would somehow help or inspire our listener. So just a disclaimer, I'm not an expert in chess, just a player who tries harder and do improvement. And it is my deep hope I can contribute to our listeners.
0: Yeah, well, I think you'll be able to because whatever you're doing is working. And I know that we have some other chess dads listening. Um, I know that that's a way that a lot of people find their way into chess just as, and chess moms too, um, just as often people find their way into whatever their kids become interested in. Um, So so Ren, why don't you tell us a little bit about how chess took a hold of your household?
1: Um, As far as I know, Chess is in my bloodline. We have chess players from my mother's side and also on my father's side. And in fact, my uncle was once the city champion back in the 70s from our locality in the Philippines. As for me, I started chess when my dad brought home a chessboard when I was around seven years of age. Me and my elder brother played chess together and we really enjoyed uh, playing chess. We knew all the basic moves, nothing fancy, but it was all good. Chess is my first love in terms of mind sports. I fell in love with the game. When I reached uh, fifth grade, there was a tryout. So I joined the tryout and was accepted as a club player. It was no big deal and no challenge for me. Until such time, there was a selection to be part of interschool competition. I wanted to get that slot, but I lost over a fourth grader. And so he got the slot instead. I was discouraged. I was totally devastated and wanted to forget chess. I kept that pain and disappointment to myself. I also did not tell my parents and I wasn't able to sleep that night during the day of my defeat. In fact, with so much frustration, I I took my tennis racket beside my bed and told myself that I'm going to quit chess and ship of uh, sport tennis. From then on, I stopped playing chess and focused with my academic studies. Now, after two years, when I reached first year high school, we had an extracurricular activity in school where we are encouraged to participate in any sports event for the intramurals or sporting competition among all sections in each level. Since I'm not that tall to play basketball and have no interest in soccer, volleyball or softball, The only thing that was left as an option for me was chess. It was my least choice because of my past heartbreak, but I guess I was the only one who can play chess from my classroom section. So there, I ended up to be the representative of my class section. Now, to make the long story short, I started to trust myself again. I did join the tryout again for the varsity team. So, during the tryout, I had a record of 9 wins and 1 loss. I was beaten with a very drawish position, which was explained to me right after the game. I never forget about that. It was purely simplification of peace. My opponent had a knight and a pawn, and I had a rook. His pawn was almost in the finishing line. I would have simply captured my opponent's pawn rather than his knight. Very awful, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, the opponent became a close friend of mine, or barcada in a Philippine lingo since then, up to where we are in college and even up to now. Now, nevertheless, I felt so happy. It was so rejuvenating to me. I felt that I had a redemption once again. Uh, probably my estimate rating at that time was only 700 USAF equivalent, but I still believe I have this feeling that I am above my chess skills over my teammates. At, at least I had that kind of confidence. Now, as a, as a varsity, I officiated some tournaments. I went to some inter-school competition and also attended some nationwide tournaments. But I was then performing averagely, nothing really significant. Probably my rating in my whole high school years was barely a 1,000 USCF equivalent. No proper coaching, few chess books available, and less exposure. I felt that I am... A fish stuck in an aquarium that never reached the ocean. I decided to stop playing chess when I reached college. I told myself, if I want to graduate, I should focus more on my academics. College was a serious life. But I believe I applied some chess learning there. I was able to see which move is more beneficial to me, which is to focus in academics. Since then, there was no chess for four years. I had some casual games once in a while, but I think it was the right decision for me. I had my diploma, I had my beautiful memories in chess, and I had a well-rounded, balanced life, no regrets. Now, going back to, to, to my first love. After nine years, I got married and migrated here in the US and started to do some serious job for my family. I felt so fulfilled with my life. I was a truck driver for four years, Been to 48 states, but suddenly I was diagnosed with a mild panic disorder. It was a very uh, terrible experience. And maybe because I had some challenges as truck owner operator, my health at that time did not permit me to be the provider of the family. It was a very hard decision, but I had no choice. I sold my truck and stayed at home. And for me, staying at home was a struggle. I was not used to it. I was worried in some things. I struggle when it comes to my capabilities of taking care of a kid and I have this fighting spirit to move on. But I realized that it was also a blessing. It was the time of my life wherein I spent time with my son, Scott. My wife suggested that I should focus on Scott at home and possibly teach him to write and read while waiting for his preschool. Well. I taught him how to play chess instead and slide with a one-plus-one lesson and the ABC Fundamentals. That was the time chess was brought back into my life. It was convenient for me, and Scott loves to hold chess piece and put into his mouth. It was good, and I wanted him to upgrade by teaching him based on my capacity and based on my stock knowledge of chess. In fact, some areas of chess lessons were also struggle, like he doesn't want to learn the move of the knight, and he was just three years old at the time, and it took him three months to learn the move of a knight. Uh, In general, it was fulfilling on my part, having a panic where I usually overthink things, and it was good that I was a chess player. Chess is a thinking game, at the same time having the opportunity to teach my very own son. So... So for Scott, uh, nevertheless, I I noticed his memory is very sharp. Whenever we are in inside a car and doing some errands, remembering places and streets uh, for him it was just a piece of cake to memorize. He's like a GPS. When he was mm-hmm. three years old, he can easily direct me from point A to point B. Even the exit of, of numbers and interstate highways, he can do that. And I do believe that his pattern recognition is very strong. So I took the opportunity to teach him chess. So I was hoping that you know he will like chess. So my prayer was answered. He liked it and he got so interested about it.
0: So yeah, that's wow, that's uh, amazing already, Ren. Thank you for for sh- sharing that story. Um, yeah, I it's it's pretty cool to hear. So you started Scott at chess at three, and which. Already super impressive, even despite the night taking three months. I mean, I was telling you a minute ago before we started recording, I have a four and a seven-year-old. So in addition to the teaching that I do professionally, I have firsthand experience of how hard it can be and how sometimes it feels, at least to me, even more challenging to teach your own children something than it can be to teach people that you're, you're less connected to, that you have less of a stake in. Um, so let's bring it forward. So I'm guessing when your interest really started to accelerate is when Scott uh, started to play tournaments. So when when did that happen?
1: Um, all right. Um, everything all began when my son started playing competitive chess. Like about two and a half years ago, it was a decision to make. I decided to upgrade myself in chess. The main idea was if my son will progress in chess, my skill should match up to his progress as well in constant proportion. I don't want to be left behind and not to be part of his progress. I want to teach or give advice to my son in the future. It was unnecessary and it was a good plan. Scott's training was, has been typically every day and he was so hyperactive. And the funny thing is I had to be in his side to take care of his behavior aspect. So while doing that, I hear and watch his chess lessons as well. I felt that I've learned more than my kid. It was just like that at the beginning. I was just a typical parent who wants to know the lesson of my son Scott, track his progress and help a little bit with his activities and clarify some chess lessons from his coach. When his coach usually gives a task to Scott, review games or practice opening, I have to review as well. I should be more advanced because if ever Scott would clarify something with regards to his lessons, I can confidently give him the the right answer. Scott's opening was also my opening throughout the course of chess journey. It has been a father and son tandem. Every time he lost a game or I lost a game, we review together. We are on the same page. The only difference is that I am more advanced than my son. So probably like... uh, Three hundred rating difference, so, so yeah, that's yeah,
0: which is which is impressive because a lot of parents, I think, as they as they learn chess alongside their kids, which is not a wholly unusual experience, I think that they encounter that that plasticity of the brain that kids have, where they just pick things up so quickly. Um, so it, it's impressive that you've, I mean, it's impressive what both of you have done, but I honestly. Even though what Scott's done is amazing uh, to me as a, you know, someone who interviews tons of title players and tons of adult improvers, um, what you've done may be more impressive, Ren. Um, so, so let's get into it. So first of all, um, d- would, would you like to share who his coach is just to give a, a, a little shout out? I mean, we know the students are the ones who deserve the most of the credit, but I'm sure the coach wouldn't mind being mentioned if you uh, appreciate their work.
1: Sure. Um, actually for Scott's training, Um, he has a coach because for, for zero to 700 rating, I took care of Scott, uh, uh, training and, and right now uh, I have a cousin in my locality in the Philippines. He's been coaching Scott for, for a year and a half now. And, you know, it's like a personal thing for me. I can communicate with his coach, uh, with my own dialect, um, I could do some personal favor for the coach. So it's it has it, been uh, for me. It's like something a a teamwork between the between the three of us. It's a good uh, combination, and we're all well. It was it was really a a good uh, uh, training uh, with an effective uh,
0: training and a good result. Okay. It, so it, right. it sounds like most of the, sorry, sorry. Um, so it sounds like most of the lessons were done online even prior to the pandemic. Yes. Yes. Wow. Done online. And mm-hmm. was that hard for someone that young?
1: as it, Scott? Uh, actually, the challenge is for, for, for Scott, because, because, as because as we all know, the best for me, in my own opinion, the best uh, training, uh, Method for 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 a kid, uh, for an adult, is always one on one over the board. So I think that's 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 the best for me. But for for the time being, since it's just so hard for us uh, financially to, uh, to to get a titled coach, a one on one OTB. So we we decided to to get a, a coach from my country. At the same time, I could help him as a second coach. I could supplement the, the training. I would I would repeat the training from the coach. I would I would clarify any questions from the coach. So it's basically I am somehow as a father and a second coach as well. To interpret if if cut if Scott cannot really understand it, I will be the one to review it. That's the reason why I improve a lot because because well it, it's it's it, it is my duty to really uh, teach cut to uh, what he, what he understand from his coach
0: wow that's super inspiring ren that's really cool that you have such motivation to to provide the best for your son um, just just out of curiosity um how roughly how strong is the the coach that you guys are working with from the philippines
1: um the the coach in the philippines is roughly i would i would uh, uh prop- Probably like around two thousand to twenty four hundred uh rating. Uh it's uh it's a an untitled coach, no title, but it's really specialized on uh, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh yes, and more, more more on experience with uh kid psychology. So the main thing is we have two parts here, uh the the cognitive part and the behavioral part. So prob uh for me I'll take care of the behavioral part, and then and then the coach there take care of the knowledge. So he'll take care of it. Uh, I'll take I'll, I'll take care of Scott, but that uh, that coach is a very very a good coach, and you know
0: uh, specialized f- for kids. That's great. Yeah, and at that level, he can teach Scott for a while. Um right, this, right, Despite probably. Scott's fast progress, mm-hmm. um, so aside from so, how often per week are you guys doing lessons? So, uh, for a week, um, for
1: for a useful routine, um, well, I encountered chess almost every day for the past year. So, so it's like something something seven days a week. So both of us encounter digital or actual chessboard every day. So sometimes he has uh, two to three hours uh, training every night, depending on preparation on short-term targets. I also will get along into it. So. Like example, uh, as parents, I, I should lead with, a, with an example. I have to make sure that before he sits and trains, Scott is not hungry and his stomach is like a full and it's not sleepy. So basically his daily routine is somehow in the evening and uh, full of
0: uh, confidence and 100% uh, ready for the training. And so, but how often are the actual sessions? Like, I'm sure there's stuff you guys do away from the sessions, which I, I am eager to discuss as well. But but how many actual sessions with the coach do you think you're doing per week?
1: Um, okay, so we have, uh, I can state that the training before and after pandemic. So uh, during the height of the pandemic for at least six months with no classes and other distraction. Scott uh, I I I would say Scott playing skills went up so so was mine. So since we doubled the training hours, we somehow fast track our learning. All the things can be learned in 1 year, it was done in 6 months. So it was 2 hours in the morning and 2 hours in the evening and online tournaments in between for both of us. Okay. We were able to maximize the whole pandemic lockdown. Like I said, I also made some schedule for him to follow Excel, uh print it and and put it in the wall, so it's like this. Our goal is divided into sh- into short term and long term goals. But our training can be varied as well, because there were there were some expected knowledge that can be done for short term goals as preparation, like modification in the openings. But for long term goals, uh, should be constant that includes tactics, middle game, and end game theories. Also, prior to the pandemic, we were so active in some chess clubs in the in the area and also to, to do tournaments every weekend. That is our relaxing time. Part of our schedule, it was a big help since people from chess club in, encouraged a lot. There are always a room for comparison of chess skills and monitoring of performance with each other. I would uh, also point out uh, that, that, that it's better to expose ourselves into blitz, rapid games, and uh, long games, both uh, over the board and online in our chess journey. As for me and Scott, everything should go together. Because, you know, some other players, when I check their tournament history, I observed that some were purely regular games. Their rating went up so high on regular games. No blitz, no, no rapid record, no quick uh, game record. And for me, there's nothing wrong with it. If it, if, if, if it is thinking skills development is the main objective, and maybe go for a title shot someday, or just a matter of preferences. But for me, personally i would like to see my tournament history with a colorful uh, one that is uh, being mixed with blitz rapid online quick or maybe like uh, uh, regular games so
0: yeah okay well ren i got to tell you as a chess player myself my own experience is i feel like uh, you you filipino people you, you've got speed chess in your blood <laughs> like uh, uh, yeah i, I know uh, i am angelo young i believe he's based in chicago now he was on the eastern seaboard back when I was playing the most, and yeah, he was a fierce blitz player. And there's there's so many, and of course, at the top you have uh, Grandmaster Wesley So of uh, Filipino mm-hmm. heritage. So there's a great chess culture, and uh, the Philippines is one of those countries that I've always felt like they have some sort of chess gene.
1: Right.
0: Um, and I also just wanted to mention, since you were mentioning um, playing in the local uh, clubs in Chicago, that it was um, adult improver uh, get guest of not that long ago, Megan Chen, who put us in touch. So shout out to Megan and thank you for putting us in touch. I'm really enjoying Ren's story already and eager to hear more. So Ren, what I want to hear next is, um, what are the nature? I mean, first of all, it's, um, it's, Amazing that you're, that the coach you guys are working with is putting in so many hours. That's really cool to hear. What are the nature of these lessons? So, is it game analysis? Is he giving you puzzles? Um, is it kind of like a mix of everything? What's what's his um, his approach to to teaching you guys, especially Scott?
1: Yeah, uh, when it comes to the training methods, um, it basically is two to three hours. So for the first uh, thirty minutes. It's 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 usually uh, tactics, uh, two or three hard tactics for for Scott. Uh, uh, it's it's like more on thinking skills, and at the same time uh, applying middle game uh, theories. Now after that, uh, we review the games. Maybe like something after 30 minutes to like something. Maybe it, we, he he will spend uh, for his uh, game review. Uh, last game review. Uh, he will he. He will try to analyze his mistakes and do not uh, do it again. Uh, We will try to see his deficiency and try to supplement it later on. And then the rest of the hour will will be much more on uh, opening uh, polishing. So it's basically like that. Not unless if we have a certain preparation. So we do national, we do state championship. So it would be a big, uh, 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 it, it would be a different uh, training at all. So like, let's say if we focus in the middle game, we do middle game the whole week. So that's it. If we do, we do polishing with our opening variations. That's it. So, but during those uh, regular days, we have that kind of uh setup. And then the materials, the materials that we use, the most basic one is the 5334 4 guard combination puzzles. It's being mm-hmm. like something, a regular thing. So this book was being used throughout my chess journey as well as for my son Scott. It's a lot, but we had plenty of time to finish it. And Scott and I started the first uh, puzzle problem like checkmate by one up to three moves checkmate. So Scott used the PDF or uh, version of this. And I mean the Scott used a uh, PGN version of this, and I used the book version of uh, in the other hand. so it's a constant exercise. It's part of our of our journey. We also study uh, London system by uh, GM Ginger Simon Williams, his DVD mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of months. Uh, we have also a perk by uh, GM Damian Lemos. and for me personally I as a parents, uh, as a parent, I I read the book of uh, GM Ramesh, Fundamental Chess of Logical Decision Making.
0: Yeah, great book. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, actually Scott is having a session with a uh, group session with GM Ramesh every Monday and every Thursday. So we just we just enrolled his class. So also we use uh lead chess as a ch- and chess.com puzzles once in a while, but I would uh, encourage OTB puzzles. We have the time th- if we have the time. We set up all the pieces on the board, problem after problem. We arrange Although our hands is required. We need to arrange much more effective, uh, for especially when preparing O T B tournaments. I, I I also use uh, chess king puzzles in my cell phone app. It has a lot of explanation. It has a nice app to improve strategy as well. It has uh, explanation. Sometimes we need to think what is the best continuation to gain favorable advantage or position, not more on meaning or piece of, of uh piece or chip or checkmate. It's like uh not not really on tactics but more on strategy, best continuation. Uh some exercises on end game in chess.com has also effective in my chess journey. It has a lot of imbalances in the end game and you know very interactive. And when it comes to analyzing my own games, I analyze it first by myself with my own capacity and later on I will let outside help, like you know, engine or coach or coach of Scott. So it 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 helps me a lot.
0: Wow, so much useful stuff in there. So just to um, underscore a few things for the listeners, of course, the the famed Laszlo Polgar chess puzzle book um, has been mentioned. I know Andrew Zinn, recent adult improver guest, mentioned it. If you go way back in the archives in Perpetual Chess, James Altucher, um, who's become famous outside of the chess world uh, is a big advocate of that book. And of course the the record of uh, Laszlo Polgar as um, um, an exemplar of how to raise chess champions uh, is basically undisputed. So, Good insight there. And I was also wondering, Ren, so you mentioned these um, these lessons with RB Ramesh, of course, legendary trainer who's affiliated with, does lessons for 365 Chess Academy and wrote that great book and uh, has, has been on the show as well. Um, I was just curious because you had mentioned that sometimes uh, finances can be an issue and we know that chess can be expensive. So how... Is that just something that, like, your family is making concessions for? I mean, I'm glad to hear that you're making it that you're making it happen, but um, it's it's um, it seems like it could be a big investment.
1: Yeah, uh, we as parents, um, if possible, we want to have the best coach for our kids, as I mentioned a while ago. So, if we set aside this pandemic, as for me, the actual one-on-one coaching is the best method of learning, not online, not group class, not on. Uh, DVD, not on books. Uh, the best personalized training is always be one on one. Group class is an enjoyable training, and such a high-rated players inspire low-rated players, and it creates competition. The DVDs and books can be replay or reread, but for me, uh, for me, it's uh, one-on-one training is the best, especially for for a kid like Scott. Now, this is my challenge. Uh, in my case, since since I can barely afford to hire a title coach for an O.P.B one-on-one training, the game plan I did has been compartmentalized. I believe I can teach Scott from 0 to 700 rating. I can teach the basic. I can teach the fundamentals. So in that sense, I save a lot of money from there. When Scott passed 700 ELO rating or USCF rating, I still cannot afford to hire a one-on-one coach. Since at that time, I don't have work. My wife covers all the bills all the time and some extras once in a while. What I did is just to look an online coach for my locality in the Philippines. And luckily, I got a good deal. It's like a fixed monthly rate with a flexible schedule. I can express myself through my native dialect. And for that, Scott had three coaches for the past, uh, I would say, two years and a half, one at a time. So they were not. I was, so as I mentioned, they were not titled coaches, but the rating were satisfactorily good around 2,000 to 2,400 uh, Fede L.O., And more than that, they have years of experience in specializing on kids. As what saying goes, we don't need Albert Einstein to learn physics. We just need a plain public school teacher to learn from it. Same as good as as for Scott. So in that kind of level, uh, 1500 below, I think uh, we just need to really keen looking for a coach. Now at his age, and it's at his stage of learning. I guess I can still hire an untitled coach. But right now, since his rating is fast rising and competition is tough, it's time to get a quality coach. So right, as what I mentioned, he's uh, because I emailed uh, Ramesh, uh, I think, a year and a half ago that we want to have a coach uh, with, with him. But uh, Ramesh, uh, GM Ramesh uh, replied to me that, uh wait for he, for your son to be to become 1600 uh rating and then and then and then right now i think Scott is like some, is, if, if, is is 1500 but it's not yet a published rating so we still have to wait for like a couple of days but but i emailed uh ramesh with this uh news and then okay there's no problem he he, he can join with my class uh twice a week so 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 it was a it, it was a good news for me at the same time I got a job so I can now uh, supplement and and help his uh, training uh, expenses. you know chess is also investment. I know some I know some people will say like you know it's chess is very expensive but the, but, the return, but but the return of investment is so low well it's it's well sometimes it's true but somehow it's really for the love of, of the game. It's really the passion of the, you know, playing chess. So we do love it and we're willing to really invest in it. There's yeah. our time and effort, yes.
0: I mean, of course, I'm biased as a chess teacher and chess podcast host, but, but I mean, I would hope that whatever ends up happening with one's chess career um, it teaches pursuit of excellence, which I think is the most. You know, that's that's the life skill that for when chess takes hold of someone, and like your son, and they're one of the top players for their age in their country. I mean, that's that's like the 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 lesson that knowledge is its own reward is something that some people never learn. So for for a seven or eight year old kid to learn that is is something special. So it's it's it really does it's really touching to hear. All, all the all the sacrifices your family is making to um to help him, and just out of curiosity, I mean, because this is something as a parent, I often grapple with: Are there ever moments where Scott seems like he's like not fired up to do chess that day, or are there ever moments where he's he's not as excited? Well, um, kid is a kid,
1: and 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 sometimes it's it's basically about uh, balance. So that is our role as a as as a parents, cause um like 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 uh, for me, uh I should take a look if it's Scott is not interested, he's now he, he he is lazy in this day, he's sick, he is it's it's my role as a father, not a coach, so I have to take a look at that I have to really uh observe uh, his uh, progress at the same time his interest too. I think uh like uh for me as a as a coach and as a father at this stage of life having two kids having a work recently at, at, at most game plan for myself is to really pay attention in my priorities. I need to commit the time to all of them. So so I had a personalized calendar. Uh, calendar. I printed some schedule of Excel with some coding on, on it, map all my activities and my son's activities to create a typical week with time dedicated to each of my priorities exercise, just training, work or family time and so forth. Now um first cut if if he doesn't want to 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 have like something training of the day then it, it then it's okay because it's gonna be useless. He cannot absorb uh, training. I'm gonna talk to the coach he's not learning right now. He's uh he's kind he's something uh busy with something else homework something like that then well
0: we we'll, we'll just let it go we have another day so okay. something like that that's a, that's good to hear um so ren i want to bring it back to tactics we have a um a listener question uh related to tactics but first we're going to take a break and hear from our friends at chessable.com as always perpetual chess is brought to you in part by chessable.com Chessable is a chess learning website that utilizes its move trainer technology to help you learn and remember opening lines, tactical patterns, and endgames. One of their newest offerings is Winning Chess Tactics from legendary and beloved Grandmaster Yasser Sarawan. There are special sections on famous tacticians like Adolf Anderson on through to GM Gary Kasparov. And it features training on all of the basic tactics types like pins, skewers, forks, etc. The winning chess series is an amazing resource for club level players and is on sale through October 21st. So go to chessable.com, check it out and see what else they have to offer. Okay. Back to the interview. Okay. So Ren, bringing it back to tactics, we have a question from a Patreon supporter of the podcast um, named Jeremy Nielsen. And Jeremy asks, he says, hi, Ren. The advice I hear given to anyone under 1200 to 1300 is just do more tactics and play more games. When you were in the 1,000 to 1,200 frame, did you stick to this advice? Or did you do more like digging into openings? Was playing games enough to get over the, u- the usual beginner problems of hanging pieces and not seeing opponents' threats? Or what was the next hurdle for you? In my opinion, the right phrase would be like this. Just do
1: more tactics based on your difficulty level and play more games, then review your games. I believe that tactics are required are required exercise regardless of ratings. A grandmaster level can practice a hard tactics, a starter can do simple tactics. Tactics will always be part of our training regiment no matter what. But we cannot jump to higher tactical level difficulty if it is not suited to our level because it's not helping us. The good news is as as like example 1000 to 1200 frame we can still do the same level of difficulty of tactics with 1,200 to 1,300, not much a big difference since most puzzles are categorized as 1,800 below uh, or by the number of moves. Now, about doing more games, we cannot jump to higher frame if we don't review our games. Playing more games is not enough. It should, it should be play now and review later. The purpose of reviewing our games, whether win or lose, is to look for our deficiency. How do we review games? We can ask our coaches. We can use some engine assistance in some certain position or some platforms, or we can use some books as reference guide. They say a good chess player is a good researcher. When you reach another level, just do the same thing as long as it is effective. If it is not, then find another way effective and efficient learning should never stop. Yes, that's all then.
0: Okay, great, great advice. So let's dig a little bit more into, because you've mentioned twice now that how important you feel it is to review your own game. So um, what's your approach? How much time do you spend on a given game? Are you writing notes? Like how much are you analyzing in a given position that you felt stuck on? Like how, how do you tackle that, Ren?
1: Well, it, 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 the, Depends. Like uh it, it depends upon the preparation. But normally for the first thirty minutes it should be tactics. Tactics will always be part of it, regardless of uh rating. Now if we if, if we try to review the game and if it's very hard, it's very hard, it will take some times. It's like saying there are hard games, there are simple games, there are hard games to review, there are simple games to review. It it really varies. Like we like, like if we have this kind of opening it's a new to us it will take some times so there's no really for me there's, there's there's no really fixed time it it depends from case to case situation to situation position to position so but tactics will always be there review the games will always be there
0: so that's all So let's so back when you guys were playing tournaments were you going away for weekends or were you playing like more game 30 what, what what was your or both what was your typical tournament schedule like
1: well in the in the in the weekend uh illinois uh m- most tournaments in illinois is a rapid game especially for scholastics it's like 25 uh, minute with a five second delay and in fact uh my son has been uh, the highest uh record i think last year he got more than 200 games he has the highest uh uh, for the fiscal year, uh, for, for, for a rapid, uh, around 211 games. Uh, I, I, I just forget the, the exact number. But yes, he has the most numbered uh, game played in Illinois. You see, always go to tournament uh, weekend after weekend. And it's, it's nice to ask. But that was before a uh, pandemic. So right now, um, as what I mentioned, during the pandemic, two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening for a training. And in between, we have a series of uh, online tournaments.
0: Okay, and so with the games being rapid, how, how long might you spend going over one game, whether it be Scott's or your own, like an hour or two hours, what do you think?
1: Well, for the spending time for the, for the review, it would be easy like uh for an average of 30 minutes for 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 a game uh it's more it's 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 more on a middle game review because uh, opening is just a rundown for 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 a time and sometimes if we have deficiency in the end game like a rook pawn end game oh we need to really work hard on that oh scott we identify that in your first round you have a problem with your middle game See, you did not see this file. See, you did not see this diagonal. You, 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 you tend to forget the active piece. He's the active piece. And then you didn't, uh, identify the, your sickly piece, your most inactive piece. So we need to work on that. So the, the, so the next, uh, training would be more focused on that. So every deficiency correct right away. We have like game, uh, review, correct. Game review and then correct it's just the same cycle over and over again but most uh game uh it will cover like around 30 minutes if it is like easy it'd be it, it like uh, 15 so i think that I, I think that's the average for a rapid game for a rapid game
0: okay um and we've got another question from the patreon mailbag this one is from danny davidson uh so Danny writes in and says, he's curious what Ren's trajectory looked like over the 1.5-year span where you went from 1,000 to 1,700. He says, a little background on me. I'm 39 years old. I played in scholastic tournaments from the age of 7 to 13. My last rating as a kid was 1,028. So it sounds very similar to you, actually, Ren. And then he says, skip ahead 24 years. I decided to get serious about chess. Over the past two years, I would estimate I've spent an average of 15 to 20 hours a week studying or playing. And at least six, 000, $6 000 to seven thousand dollars on coaching, books, tournaments subscriptions, etc. All that to say, my peak rating so far has been twelve twenty four. So I'm wondering if Ren's climb was struggle, struggle, and booms, and things started to click, or was it gra- a gradual and steady increase?
1: Um, I totally understand the struggle. As a chess player, we've shared common disappointments and discouragement in improving our skills in chess, especially as adults. There are some factors to consider. First is the environment. They say, "Tell me who your friends are," and I tell you who you are. I improve a lot of chess because I had a strong support from chess from my chess uh, clubs. I got Monday nights, Wednesday nights, Friday nights. As well, I can play with them. I I enjoy their company, and we talk. Uh, we talk about chess or beyond chess. Just like kids, where they have playgrounds, so us. So are adults too. Players in our club brings motivation and create healthy competition. The most important thing is we enjoy. If we enjoy and if we're happy, then learning follows as well as improvement. Second is get a good coach. Look for a coach that is that could really determine your deficiency. Every player has different needs. One thing I learned, coaches are like doctors. They determine your disease and they find a way to cure it. Set a goal. Tell your coach about your goals, specific and realistic. Now, third, as our age grows, like we are in the late 90, uh, 30s, we just pass with our formative years. And by the way, when I say formative years, it means those years of early childhood between zero to eight years of child's life. It's also a period of a rapid cognitive intellectual. And right now, we have, uh, we have lots of responsibilities, bills to pay familial obligation, our career, and willingness to go further. And we want to insert chess. Now, I suggest keep it simple as of now. Learn your style. For me, I am busy, and sometimes I'm lazy. Do not complicate. As for me, in my opinion, choose three openings only, but, very, but be very familiar with it. One opening for a white, maybe like two openings for black, most likely against E4, against E5. That's it. Study less, but be sharp at it. Be sharp at the first 16 moves and study most middle game outcomes. Be good at it. Thirteen to 1,300 to 1,700 players are so much called opening specialists. Break them in the middle game. And lastly, I always believe that rating is just a number. Feel the pressure of being a low-rated player, but never define yourself by your rating change your views in ratings it's only a guidelines and purely motivational in my experience a rating between a thousand to 1400 or maybe a rating between 1400 to 1700 it's not a big difference unless you are 1800 and up then that would be a another story thank you for that question
0: wow that's great advice ren yeah and i kind of would just echo what you say because i know that that danny's not the only one out there um that feel can feel stuck at times. I mean, I think everyone grapples with that in chess, especially as you're an adult. Um, but it's definitely at that level, Danny, if you're putting the work in, if you're doing your tactics, if you're pushing yourself like progress, progress will come. And that's not something that I would say like, uh, you know, I'm leery of people who kind of espouse, you know, uh, unending growth as like a platitude. Like that's not generally my approach, but, but at that level, if you're doing the work, like I, I am confident that, that you'll get better, especially if you're really, and as a, as a working dad, I certainly understand. I've talked before about how me personally, I'm kind of, I'm stagnant. Um, and part of the reason is because I find the most challenging things to be the things like probably the most rewarding things are the things I'm maybe not super fired up to do, like hardcore visualization work, which basically means tactical training. That's just for me personally. Um, but if you do those things, I do think um, definitely there's higher to go. And there's, a, as Ren alluded to, um, within the, that general rating range, uh, there's a lot of variance just in in what your performance is day to day. There's a lot of variance in what your performance is based on how much sleep you got based on what's going on in your life. And you know, that stuff just, it just like, uh, like Ren said, it's just a number and just focus on the process and bounce your ideas off of people to make sure you have a decent study plan and then just don't worry about it too much. Um, and hopefully you're getting some joy out of it, um, for, for all of the struggles, but it's, it's a great question. So, so thank you, Danny. Um, so, Ren, um, just a couple more questions if if you're good for it. Sure. sure. So I you've you've mentioned that your coach, uh, your son, the coach that you and your son kind of share together has been immensely helpful. Um, and you mentioned, of course, Simon Williams uh DVD and a few other resources. But do you have any other sort of favorite resources that you would recommend for people?
1: Um I would uh rather go with uh, generic, because when I say uh, opening, we have a lot of uh, s- uh, uh, specific openings with a specific grandmaster to, to teach the opening. But for us, well, uh, what are those generic materials? Middle game, when we can have a lot of uh, middle game. Uh, with uh, end game, we have uh, a lot of beautiful uh, end game books. The way that uh, I see, there's a lot of uh, end games, uh, rooks and pawns. I think I, I think the most uh, important thing is, you know how to study. You, you know what's your your deficiency. Chess.com end games is very interactive. Lee chess uh, puzzles is very interactive too. You'll never get bored. You will see your ratings and everything. So, but when it comes to 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 opening, it's it's really your preferences. It's really it's. It's, it's uh really your style so go with the go with the generic first and when you discover your style do the opening if you are a tactical you find an opening that is very attacking uh opening or may, maybe positional that that would be my advice okay. so i won't be more in, in specific but go with uh generic and then do 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 your specialized later
0: on okay so so it also sounds like maybe you're not so regimented in terms of like i'm i always ask people like how much time do you like say you have 10 hours a week how much of it do you spend on tactics how much do you spend it on middle games but it it sounds like you're more sort of just based on what what issue you or your son might be facing in at that moment you might spend more time on it is that is that a fair summary
1: Yes, yes, yes. It, 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 I, I, I would rather be like more on defici- deficiency-based. So if you know your deficiency, uh, try to focus on it. Uh, the, the most important thing is to identify your your weak, uh, weak area and then focus on that area. So, like uh, for example, for for Scott, he is uh, somehow having a problem with a Rook 1 endgame more in particular. So we 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 focus on that. It doesn't mean that we focus 30 minutes on the uh, king pawn uh, endgame, but it's somehow I would be rather flexible uh, in 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 things. So focus on your deficiency and then try to improve your deficiency. Focus on weak area, and then do that thing more on uh, more on be be flexible.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. good stuff and. You alluded to the answer to this earlier, or you touched on it, but we have one more uh, Patreon mailbag question. This one is from Rick Holland. Um, And Rick asks, he says, uh, please let us know more about how your son got into chess, which you kind of covered that. How old was he when you introduced him? Uh, What approach did you use to teach him the game and to keep him interested? I have a four-year-old son who I plan on introducing to chess. Any advice is greatly appreciated.
1: Okay, um, Scott started this journey when he was 18 months old. It it wasn't a formal training. It wasn't a casual thing with no goal, no pressure, no formalities, purely fun, purely basic moves, and purely a toy for him. Take note, a toy, not a game for him. He likes the rooks in particular because it was a flat on the top and he can stack all other pieces like a tall building. It was purely like that for the first two years. Now, when he reached four years old, I asked him if he wants to proceed a competitive chess. He said yes. So that was a good sign. I asked him again if he wants to excel in chess. And he said, yes, dad. Again, so another good sign. I guess as parents, the basic factor that we should be looking at is the affirmation of our child that he wants a competitive chess than a purely casual play. Now, This is my personal advice to all chess parents out there. First, we have to determine if our kids are really interested because that is the number one requirement. The interest of a kid is like a seed. It needs to be nurtured. How do we nurture the interest of our kids in chess? Start with a simple lesson, an easier task. Explain the stages of training. Explain why he trains. Explain that training is not a better process that's full of fun and enjoyment but sometimes it is hard and boring as well as for me the basic consideration of pursuing chess to our children are not their talents but rather their interest of the game second as parents we should also be careful with the trauma threshold of our kids be particular to their reaction when they lose a game as for me crying is a good sign and can be a bad sign as well no reaction after losing can be another thing It all depends, but pay attention to that. Third, we as parents, we should protect our kids from our personal or maybe unrealistic ambition. Most of the time, this ambition of ours is good and a motivational thing, but sometimes it kills the interest of the kid because we tend to force our kids beyond their capabilities. We tend to invest money, time, and effort because we want to, not kids need to. We want the best. We want our kids to be number one, but it's okay. Nothing wrong with that. It's okay to be competitive, but do it in the right way. More on rewards, not more on punishment. Fourth, uh, choosing a coach is very crucial too. One thing I learned all these three years, it's, it's not tuto Tango thing, but it's a tripod, a teamwork among parents to coach and to players. It's a common goal and collective effort of the three. And as for me, we have this trial and error method. We have this discovery problem along the way. It's never been constant, especially the response of Scott is fluctuating when it comes to learning absorption. Two aspects to consider is what I mentioned a while ago, cognitive aspect and the behavioral aspect. We cannot put behavioral aspect to the trainer or to the coach alone. It would be a big burden. When dealing Scott is a hyper kid, I will take care of his behavior, specifically his attitude towards the training, how he sits down, how he focus, how he goes to washroom and oftentimes the rules and procedure of the training, etc. And if I're not around, I will remind him in advance and to the knowledge, the coach will take care of that. Always a teamwork. Lastly, throughout the years, I've seen a lot of parents in the tournament who get emotional and out of control when their kids lose the game. Admittedly, I am guilty of that too. It took it very immaturely. I took it very immaturely. But later on, I realized that everyone has, uh, has its limit and that I know my limitation now. I myself is a chess player. I was once a scholastic chess player and I know how it feels to lose and to be not qualified. But for me, but for the parents who do not know how to play chess or do not play chess at all, did not experience defeat should think twice when they get upset of their kids, especially when losing a game. We had to remember that it is our decision to let them play chess. They did not ask for it in the first place. Kids may love to play chess or have a great interest in playing chess, but they're also vulnerable. We just speak constructive and more positive reinforcement. All these things are important and crucial part of the kids' growth. And most of all, most important thing, anything in life should be balanced. A talented kid is not exempted. We may nurture the talent, but we should not skip or miss some things that matter in a child's life, which include the family time, play, personal time, studies, social activities, etc. A real chess player must know how to handle life, especially when it comes to decision making and its consequences. That would be one of the best thing to teach our kids,
0: right, Ben? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Great insights. Um. So, by the way, do uh does Scott have any brothers or sisters?
1: Yes, uh, he has a brother, a eleven year old, uh, uh, eleven month old, uh, brother.
0: So he's probably eleven months old. Probably basically a grandmaster now, right? no hopefully (laughs) but we'll we'll try we'll try We
1: we we ask first if he's interested
0: yeah Yeah. exactly yeah yeah no it's true and what would you do like if 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 uh scott's brother what's scott's brother's name uh quinn if so if quinn just doesn't seem interested at age four um, would you try again at some point like what how would you approach that if you start bringing chess into his life obviously with the enthusiasm in your house, generally he's gonna see it what What would you do if he just doesn't seem into it?
1: Well um, uh, I like to see variety um, if 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 Queen wants to go swimming i'll I'll support him hundred uh, percent we We will try to introduce him in chess. We will try to see uh, his response as a kid. Uh, maybe seeing his uh brother's trophy, like around, uh, like more than hundred trophies in in front of him, yeah. maybe like some other like uh medal, something like that. Maybe maybe he's inspired. But at the end of the day, he will decide if he like swimming or he like soccer. We as parents can 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 uh, guide him. So if he doesn't want chess, then well, I love variety too. We we will support you in your interest. We are here to guide. We are here for your, you know, n- n- number one fan or, 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 or whatsoever. So we're just here to guide. But we will try to see if you're interested in chess. You know, my, my my passion might not be your passion as well. So I was just so lucky that Scott loves chess. So it was really an answer prayer, uh, prayer for me that Scott, uh, my passion, his passion as well. So it was a, I'm a lucky guy. I'm lucky
0: father, you know? Yeah. Well, you're lucky, but you also have good perspective. So, so if Quinn takes an interest in swimming, you're going to have to become an adult improver swimmer as well. Oh, I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing what you've done in chess. I, I commend you and, and Ren, It's been an awesome story to hear. So I'll, I'll definitely be rooting for you. I have a feeling that a lot of listeners will be tracking you guys and rooting for you. So last thing before, before I let you go, Ren. So do you have any goals, whether for yourself or for Scott, in terms of chess? Like, do you have any cur- current uh, mountains to climb? Well, we are looking forward
1: with uh, the national championship. If there's a national championship uh, this December, that's just a short-term goal. Uh, we, we're looking for a world cadet uh, next year, if if there's any. And for a for for a long-term goal uh, for Scott uh i i i wish to uh, i wish him to reach uh, around like uh, a master level by the age of uh, 10 we will try our best so it's not really a really a promising one but we will try our best don't think it's like a, it's it's like a moment by moment choices a moment by moment decision so we will try our best to to reach that uh goal so you know uh inspiring a lot of people and for me, my my personal goal is to really provide Scott uh, the best uh, training uh, he he will have. Um, that's why I'm working right now. We are, we are working so hard, and hopefully, I can I, I could also inspire other parents.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, just out of curiosity, Ren, it sounds like you're you're so inspired to help Scott as much as you can. Like that's a sort of driving force of all the chess progress that you've made. So when the inevitable day comes where you're maybe, it wouldn't surprise me, you've made continued progress. Maybe you're rated 1850, 1900, but now Scott is rated 2100 and you feel like you can't help him as much. Do you think you'll still be motivated to work on your own chess or will you kind of recede to more of a mentorship role at that point?
1: Well, that will be uh, uh, my greatest achievement. My My goal is that that Scott can surpass my rating. That will be a very self-fulfillment in my part. You know, that's, uh, that's my dream that he will surpass me as when it comes to to chess uh, player, Uh, you know, when, when it comes to chess, I I mean, I mean, I'm just here to support at the end of the day. That is his journey. That is his chess journey. Uh, We are here as parents. I mean, we are here temporarily, but we, we could uh, guide him along the way. Because we do understand, Scott, if you work hard in, in your training and we bring we, we, we all your games, we travel far, it's not really for us. It's really for you. It is your journey, your journey alone to take. So so do the best you can. Because if you if become a champion, you know, we, we're just here at the back. We're just here to support you. It is really your journey. So make a wise decision. So uh, apply chess in real life. So if, if you reach the your, your goal in chess, then be glad and thank God all, all, all the time. So,
0: yeah. Okay, that is a great closing note, Ren. Inspiring words for chess players and parents alike, my, myself included. Um, so, Ren, if there's anyone listening who maybe wants to help out in some way or wanted to contact you, is, is there a way they could reach you?
1: Yes, I am a I am a TD club. I have a, a King's Wisdom Chess Club here at Oak Park. You know, uh, yeah, they can contact me all the time. They can search that uh, the, the, the club number. It's a King's uh, Wisdom Chess Club. Uh, I, ha- I, ha- I have my name there, my contact number, email. So they can just surely contact me.
0: Okay, is it okay if I just put your email address in the description of the uh, podcast, just so that people can find it easier? By all means, yeah. Okay, great. So I'll do that. And Ren, thank you. I, really, it's an amazing story. So I, I look forward to seeing what both you and Scott and possibly Quinn um, <laughs> accomplish in in the coming years. Um, so thanks a lot. Yeah, it's an honor to be with you. Special thanks, as always, to my producer, Matthew Passy, and thanks to those who continue to help spread the word about Perpetual Chess. You can spread the word via word of mouth or positive reviews on podcast platforms. We are up to 98 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, and only one of them aggravates me. Amazing support. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at BennyFischel1, or join the Perpetual Chess Facebook group and continue the conversation about the latest interview, You should also check out the Perpetual Chess Instagram page. But more than anything, I want to express my gratitude to those who provide financial support to the show. Most of all, I want to thank Chessable.com for sponsoring the show. And to everyone who kicks in via PayPal or the Perpetual Chess Patreon page to help sustain and improve the show. And while they're at it, find out about future guests and send in some great questions. So, without further ado, I'd like to give special thanks to the following people and entities. They are Chessable.com, Quality Chess Books, the Capital City Chess Club, the Abysmal Depths of Chess Blog, the Apprentice Twitch Channel, Andrew Alharji, Andrew Bach, Andy Ryerson, Austin Clough, Benjamin Porteau, Bill Sigler, Kathy Carr, Chad Oliver, the Charlotte Chess Center the Chess Central's Chess Blog, Chessmood.com, Chris Flanagan, Dan O'Hanlon, Danny Davidson, David Schreiber, I am Dimitri Schneider, Drake Domingue, I am Eric Rosen, Firas Sawaf, Gary Foreman, Greg Harfst, Greg Natel, I am Greg Shahadi, Guven Manet, James Kennedy, Jens Green, John Jernigan, John Rockefeller, John Cromarty, John MacArthur, Kelly Palmer, Kevin O'Callaghan, King Sell, Lucio Casada Silva, the law offices of Stuart Katz, LilaAnalysis.com for cloud based, Leela Engine Analysis, Michael Can, FM Michael Oblin, Mike Zelazny, Mr. Mike Shahadi, the famous Mr. Dodgy, the Nerdnaze Twitch channel, Peter Sadi, the Playmore Chess Academy of the Hamden Chess Club, Reuven Fisher, Robert Coucher, Seattle Chess Club, Shane Unger, Stefan Kelty, Stephen Martinez, Thomas Stenix, Thomas Tachenko, Todd Bryan of strongchess.com, Todd Kennedy, Wayne Bean, and I would also like to thank Aaron Waffler, Ace Vallega, Adam Ralph of chessengland.com, Adrian Gutierrez, Alex Pejas, Andy Ryerson, FM Andre Terakov, Dr. Andrew Perry, Aniti Deer, Barry Hessian, Bill Juniper, Bill Moran, Brad and Andy Rosen, Brett Howard Lynn, Brian Mullis, Bruce Scott, Brian Tillis of Palm Beach Chess, Chad Hilton, Dr. Charles Snodgrass, Chris Wayne Scott, Christopher Baumgartner, Christopher Shabri, Chris Lott, Christopher Wood, I am Christoph Zalecki, a.k.a. Chess Explained, Coach Jay's Chess Academy, Costa Carras, Courtney Fry, Craig Mallon, Daniel Ginsburg, Daniel Naylor, Dave Saylor, David Bleskicek, David Cramley of Chessable.com, Dalen Shelton, Dirk Decker, Drake Domingue, Dwayne Edmonds, Ed Daly, Ethan Smith, Hallelujah Cat, Ian Mason, FM Donnie Ariel, Fox Valley Chess Club, Francis Letart Lavoie, Frank Tortoros, MD, Frank Zanonis, Gary Andrews, Gary Lewis, Gert Vandervelt Gerard Barta, Giovanni Russo, Han Shu, Harish Srinivasan, Jacob Kovach, Jacques Perry, James Aspinwall, James Benastia, James Muir, Jason Wollum, Jaydeep Chakrabarty, Jeff Anderson, Jeffrey Martello, Yep Horland, Jerry Wells, Jim Ratliff, J.J. Sternad, Dr. John Fallon, John Fernandez, John Fontaine, John Hartman. John Jeffrey, John McMurtry, Jonathan Slater, Jose Rodriguez, Justin Gardner, Jen Shahadi, Joel Rocky, John Thompson, Grandmaster Josh Fridell, I.M. Kare Christensen, W.G.M. Katerina Nemsova, Kelly Palmer, Kevin Pryor, I.M., Kostya Kovutsky, Krishna Gopala Krishnan, Kyle McAvoy, Larry Reiforth, Laura Boyowski, Martin Knudsen, Martin Krug, Matthew Passy, Matthew Tedesco of SeattleChessMeetup.org, the Mechanics Institute Chess Club of San Francisco, Michael Allard, Michael Hudson, Miguel Araspide, Mike Clem, Mitchell Fabian, Nate Solomon, Neil Bruce, Negmat, Milad Janov, Olaf Mueller Michaels, GM Pascal Charbonneau, Pasi Passinen, Paul Bain, Paul Clarkson, Paul Sweeney, Paulo Santana, Peter Lux, Randy Temple, Ricky Grijalvo, Richard Hollenbach, Robert Turner, Rory Yearwood, Ryan Berg, the Say Chess YouTube channel, Scott Doherty, Scott McKinnon, Sebastian Finsterwater, Shane Unger, Stefan Roller, WGM Tata Abrahamian, Tim Brennan of TacticsTime.com, Tim Seymour, Timothy Ha, Tom Edsel, Tomas Kolmanich, Tony Rotella, Tyron Price, Vishnu Srikumar, William H. Brock, William Juniper, William Hogarth, William Peterson, FM Zhao Chang of Chess1000.com, and Zhivko Storyanov. Thanks as always for listening, and I will catch you all next week.